Kaylee, I really like this episode. I love the premise of this episode. Uh, yeah, I think it's incredibly underrated. And I'll be the first to admit that, like, I sometimes forget about it until it comes up. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, this episode is wonderful. Yeah, agreed. That said, there's some moments in this episode that I do not support whatsoever. And so in true Kaylee and Alexis fashion, we're just going to skip over them. Except I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you an example for the sake of an example here podcast. There is one scene where Henry calls Sean and Gus girls as an insult. And right? I don't understand that. Like that is not a good insult at all because girls are amazing. And we hate when you do that. <laughs> yeah, because we're amazing. And just because we're females, it doesn't mean that we are not awesome and strong and can do a cool podcast. I don't get why wanting to keep one's gelato cold is inherently a female trait and why that makes it something to spit upon. (laughs) Yeah, no, I think that's genius. (laughs) If you're gonna have to go on a stakeout, you might as well take delicious snacks. We have we have a lot to say about this episode, uh, most of which is is complimentary, but there will be times where we say something stupid happens and we're not going to talk about it here. Yeah. But <laughs> be, be aware, stupid things happen in this episode, as well as really, really cool things and a lot of callbacks and a lot of pop culture references. Yes. I'm super pumped. Yes, it's a, it's a really good one. Like I said, I think it's underrated and I'm super excited to talk about it. So shall we start the show? Showtime. This is To To The the Blueberry! I am Alexis and I am a real life Gus. I'm Kaylee and I'm the real life Sean. And this is a psych rewatch podcast. Kaylee and I decided a while ago that we were going to start a podcast so we had a good reason to talk to one another. It worked. Over the course of every week and (laughs) it is fantastic. But today we are rewatching season two, episode 12, The Old and the Restless. I love this title, this pop culture reference to the young and the restless. Um, yes. The, the fact that it gets a little soapy um, at times. It does. Yeah, it's very fun. Also, is this our third episode in a row that the title is a pop culture reference? Ooh, um, let's check because I've gotten them in my notes. There's something about Mira. One. Yeah. Um, Gus's dad may have killed an old guy. I don't think that's one. Mm, no. So not in a row, maybe, but we've gotten, we've gotten a few. Yeah. The scene opens in 1987 and little baby Sean is sitting with Grandpa Spencer, who is Henry's dad. Uh, just, I guess Grandpa Spencer would be Henry's dad. Yeah. And he tells Sean to put down that bag of bread or breadcrumbs. We're not actually here to feed the birds. We're here to girl watch. And we get into this real weird feminine mystique thing where he's like, everything they do is magical. Before I lost your grandmother, every day with her was like a, what did he say, an adventure or something? Yeah. A surprise. And I'm like, okay, this isn't much better than using girl as an insult. It's not like we're magical, ethereal beings that you don't have a chance to understand. Literally just treat us like humans. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But, I mean, he's... He's not being creepy about it. He's just like, you know, no. Sean, it's not all about working because Sean instantly is trying to like 
uh, profile the people that they're seeing. Yeah, Grandpappy's like, tell tell me about that girl. And Sean notices the tan line around her left ankle where she's a surfer, and he said she's wonky footed, goofy footed, which means goofy footed, which means left handed but with your feet, which I think is hilarious, and. Grandpa was like, no, 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 no. Use your imagination. Tell me about it. What are her hopes, her dreams? What does she like to do? What's she like? (laughs) And Sean says, her name is Larsa von Leichenhoff. Ooh, a German chick. She's a giraffe wrangler and test pilot. And she might be a manimal. (laughs) So we get a call back to manimal. (laughs) Yes, very early on. Henry comes marching out and he is mad because Sean was supposed to be doing dishes. Grandpa basically says that, um, leave us alone to relax, um, you fun sucker. <laughs> yes, very much so. Henry says, I, I, I know what you guys are doing. Let me in on this. He sits down and then he instantly starts to test Sean's abilities. Close your eyes. Tell me how many towels with red stripes there are on the beach. Four. Also, Sean had on a shirt with red stripes, so Henry was not being very creative there. No. I think the point is that Henry's not the creative one. No room for imagination and thinking outside the box, but... Of course, little baby Sean got it right, and so Dad didn't get too angry. Henry was just like, you better be two steps behind me. You need to do the dishes. And then we get this beautiful grandpa wisdom moment. That's the antithesis of all Henry's responsibility talk. He says, sometimes, Sean, you should just let what your dad says float through one ear and out the other. (laughs) Like, (laughs) he says, um, make your own choices. Have experiences. Travel. Meet interesting people. Go on adventures. Before you're too old to have any real fun. It was a very Ferris Bueller's Day Off moment. Yes. It, It was just a super, like, seize the day. You might as well enjoy yourself. Now, before we move on to the next scene, I need to point out that Grandpa Spencer um, is played by, of course, I did not write down the guy's name, but he's a pretty famous actor who's best known for his role in none other than Caddyshack. Oh, my. Which we just referenced in the last episode when they went playing And we've referenced more than once. Like... Oh, yes. But the thing is, oh, his name is Brian Doyle Murray. Um, what I love about this scene is Grandpa not wearing plaid, first of all. I have no idea. I don't remember. Um, I, I was thinking maybe it was like a blue pa- plaid button-up. But um, Sean gets the best out of both of these advice givers in his life. These, yeah. these male role models. He gets all the skills from Henry he gets his like real know-how, I guess. But he gets this sense of fun and adventure and 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 keeping things light and interesting and just a, a real zest for life from grandpa and I love that so much. And like it's just it looks like a very honest continuation of this generational conflict. Yes, because you know with like responsible Henry, he had issues with how his dad wanted to like seize the day and be a member of the dead poet society and whatnot (laughs) (laughs) it's just it's just really perfect and it's interesting to me because when we do finally meet sean's mom sean's mom teeters that line between responsible henry and seize the day and have fun sean and so he I, i love seeing 
the fact that Sean truly became a beautiful amalgamation emotion of the two. Yeah. Ah, amalgamation. That's an even better word. Okay. <laughs> so there's the end of my my spiel. Uh, we are in present day and we don't know where we are. We- <laughs> they're just sneaking around. I'm. I'm not really sure what they're sneaking to. I don't know what they're trying to find. Yeah, we don't get explanation until much later, but Guess says it's not going to work. Because they've tried six times already. Oh my, tried what? What is happening? (laughs) Um, This place is like a fortress. And they come upon an electric fence, a really big one. (laughs) To which Sean says, I read an article that said that 90% of the high voltage signs are just bogus. Touch it. See what happens. You touch it. You know I conduct more electricity than you. And then he points at his hair, which is kind of funny. I don't know if that's true at all to have anything to do with it. But then they get kind of like clapped on the shoulders and turned around by this very large man who goes, I'll touch it. (laughs) Leads them both straight out of there. But Sean says, I don't like the way that sounds. (laughs) We know we've got a very secure place that has some big, uh, giant security guards. Um, so we're at Henry's house, and the boys are sneaking through his rooms, loaded up with what appear to be gardening tools and a very <laughs> large cooler. I got a cooler, a set of binoculars, and a pair of boots. I got, like, some trowels or, like, little hand rakes. <laughs> um, but Henry's like, what, what are we doing here? Uh, we, we just need to borrow some stuff, dad. For why? What are you doing with my cooler? We need it for a stakeout. Yeah, we need a way to keep our gelato cold in the car. <laughs> Genius, first of all, if you're gonna have snacks on a stakeout, did I already say this? I mean- It might as well be gelato. It might as well be delicious. We said, we said- Almost as much, but like honestly, it treads the line between a solid and a liquid, and you know you want to like limit your liquids. So I think it's a really, I mean, it's a plausible workaround, right? Yeah, yeah. And if it does melt, because the cooler is not as good as Henry thinks it is, you know, you can just sip it, and it's delightful because it's still going to be cold. It's just going to be melting. <laughs> so okay. Henry's like, "Have I taught you nothing about surveillance?" Um. Oh. No, we're really good at covert ops, Dad. We just can't crack this place. And Henry's like, okay, uh, what is this impenetrable stronghold? Say again. Glorious Spines. The old folks' home. (laughs) So so it's a retirement community for independent senior living. And um, they've tried everything. Traveling doula, the dingo ate my baby, the... Hiding us in a sack. But that one always worked. So this place is like legit terrible. And um, Henry just starts kind of being like, wow, I can't believe I've taught you so little and you can't even do this. And Sean's like, fine, you can do it. And they set up this like slapdash competition. Henry's like, that's not what I meant. And Sean's like, see, you wouldn't be able to do it either. <laughs> and he's like, fine, 6 a.m. Uh, That's a little early. How about 9 a.m.? And then Sean... Let's just split the difference and call it 11.15. Um, six it is, and I'll drive, says Henry. All three of them are in the truck. Gus, Gus is, is asleep. asleep on Henry's shoulders. <laughs> uh, 
Okay, cool. Which is interesting because I would think that Sean would be the one asleep. He is the self-known not morning person. Right, but he's too busy arguing with Henry because um, they're almost a quarter mile away. But Henry's binoculars have a pretty good sight line to the like entrance of the place. We get kind of the details of the missing person. It is a 73-year-old man named Oswald Chester. He's been missing for three days. And their client thinks the community is trying to cover it up. Sean and Henry just start bickering over things that Sean and Henry bicker about. And they finally, Sean's finally like, oh, okay, I'm done here. Gets up, opens the door, walks out. Henry starts to follow him. When Henry slams the door, Gus wakes up. Uh, Henry and Sean are both wearing yellow shirts. Henry in his patented Hawaiian and Sean in almost a tie-dye plaid. It's really weird. Mm-hmm. It's, I, I quite like it. I, I, I liked I, it, but it was a very interesting. I like the weird greens. Yeah. yeah. They're walking and Sean goes, hey, dad, you bring your glasses? Go ahead and put those on. And he snatches the coffee away from him as they walk. And then, then he steals a hat, like an old fishing hat from somebody who's walking out. Borrows. <laughs> okay, borrows. Henry says, Sean, I, I look like Henry Fonda in this thing, as he puts on the hat. Which is a reference to On Golden Pond. Is that where, the... Yeah. Okay. I was like... That's what Henry's looking like. Okay, that makes more sense. I was like, Henry Fonda reference, question mark? Um, I, couldn't, I couldn't pin down what uh, movie that might be. So Sean says, I'm, you know what? I'm really sorry about this. And he just splashes Henry's coffee on him. Kind of at the same moment, Gus steals a cane from somebody. Oh, borrows he just, a cane from yeah, somebody. Picks it up. Throws it to Sean. Sean hands it to Henry. And Kaylee and I are not giving this scene justice. It is it so is quick. Beautiful. It's gorgeous. Yeah. It's like in a, you know, in a show when someone's supposed to be like running from someone and they do this like quick change as they walk so that like they can't be easily found in a crowd by the person following them it's beautifully orchestrated all three of them walk up to the front desk with the very intense red herring named pamela and they're like oh we're here to check in our grandpa henry and they turn around and henry's face he's just like he's like he's got his chin down to his neck and he's looking real curmudgeonly and so he's he's playing it up accidentally you know and then our credits and that is our credits yeah (laughs) so then we find out that pamela who is later called a nazi which is kind of funny because she's just a real hard ass yeah it's a weird reference that doesn't need to be made from from my opinion i mean we used to call hard ass band directors nazis so oh you don't remember i don't oh okay well i never had one of those um but you guys did in middle school i guess uh, we did have a, a pretty intense band director in middle school. <laughs> so Pam says, we have an extensive waiting list. And Sean goes, yeah, we just got in off the waiting list. And um, the name is Talmadge McGulliger. Well, not before Gus is like, Grandpappy gets real grumpy because uh, he's getting irate and for- forgetful in his old age. And Pam says, you two are brothers. Our father worked at Benetton. I don't know why that is a thing that's supposed to make sense. Isn't that a clothing company? It is. Benetton's big push was colors, like lots of bright colors, as well as this like international International. Yeah, it's like a very like Italian global feel. Yes. Okay. Okay. 
I was just like, I don't, my kind of like, I guess this could make sense if it's like modern day sailor, like he's got a girl in every port. You know, yeah, he's looking for Brandy, the fine girl. <laughs> right, right. She walks away and Gus- she, er, she walks away to check on Talmadge and- Henry's like, what is going on here? Gus is like, this is what happens. Just deal with it. Yeah, just deal with it, Grandpa. Like, it's So fine. Pim comes back and she's like, welcome, Mr. Magulaga. We've been waiting for you. She is just enthralled at Henry because there's no way that he's a 73-year-old man. He is, is 59, 60 tops. And this makes Henry mad. Because we don't know how old he's supposed to be, but if Sean is about thirty, yeah, is 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 Henry supposed to be like fifty, early fifties? I would say probably early to mid fifties. Because I'm looking at Corbin Burnson, like you could be sixty, bruh. Yeah, yeah, sixty is what I would have guessed. But he gets really, really mad, and then Sean's like, "Oh no, no, he used to be a male model. He had a lot of so work. He's done. had a lot of work done." <laughs> so then, um. She goes off again, and they are kind of chit-chatting, and Sean basically pickpocketed the guard that threw them out the other night and found Talmadge's, um, basically, itinerary. He was supposed to arrive last night, so this morning, Sean called him and told him that the, um, the community had been overrun by Afrian Gambian pouch rats. Oh, the world's largest rat. Smart. Yeah, Gus is, you know, proud of him for using his um, Discovery Channel knowledge. <laughs> and he goes, yes, he will arrive in three days. Perfect amount of time to fly in and fly out the only no natural predator of these rats. Sudanese birch pelican. Henry says, you think you're going to solve this in three days? No, we're going to solve it in two. The third day is just more about reflection. Henry says, I'm going to solve this before you. I'm going to solve this by lunch. Well, considering lunch is at 10.30, I'll have it solved by 9.45. So then we're confronted with Pamela again. She's got all this paperwork, and Sean and Gus have to fill that out. Stacks on stacks on stacks of paperwork. Oh my god, it is stacks on stacks. But that ends with, there are two signatures that must be in blue. I'll let you figure out which one those are. Lester here will check your work. Oh my gosh. Why Why can't all the signatures be in blue? I mean, I'm Pamela? sure they could, but if only two are required to, just use blue for all of it. That's, that's where Most I'm Most things don't preclude blue, right? It's either black or blue yeah. unless it states otherwise. Right. Anyway, we get a quick stop into the SBPD. Chief is talking to Lester and Juliet, whose caseload has been kind of light-ish. Chief Vic, though, has a haircut, Ooh. and it's on point. Girl with short. I love it. Yes. Um, She's giving them a special assignment, though. Straight from the mayor's office. Yeah. So there's this little teen delinquent vandal kid. Juliet says, um, okay, why is this kid getting special treatment about all these little minor crimes he's committing? Like, I mean, I, I love that at least we're getting a call out of not every kid gets these second, second, second chances. And why are we babying this one? His mom is the deputy mayor, and she does not want him to end up in the system. Laster is coming in hot. Chief Vic. Oh, Chief Vic's response to him. I'm going to need you to dial it back about 50 notches, or I will ask you to put your gun on my desk. She says, what you're going to do is straighten him out nurture him and get him to change his ways 
When we hear that his mom is the deputy mayor, does that mean she's like the vice mayor and is just given a different name? Okay. Because I don't know how that hierarchy works, but okay. (laughs) We cut back to the retirement community and Gus is doing a very classic Gus thing where he said, I think all that writing gave me a ganglion cyst. Oh my God. Yeah. He's talking about carpal tunnel and everything else. Um, And then we meet, uh, I'm just going to call him Booger because he's Booger from Revenge of the Nerds. But he's our he's our man on the inside and our client. Um, what's his real name? Jervis Kent. The one thing that I don't quite understand, and Henry makes a good point of this. He's like, you've had a man on the inside this entire time. Why did we have to sneak sneak in uh, as Talmadge McGulliger? I also don't understand how Sean had to steal the welcome itinerary from another security guard. Why couldn't Jervis just say, hey, this is Talmadge. You should pretend to be Talmadge. Because he does set up that they talked him into putting Talmadge into Oswald's room. I think, okay, so from what I gather, Jervis Kent is a part-time guard. And, I mean, at least today, he's on lawn duty, so he's just outside making sure people don't keel over in the grass. And Which... Almost happened later, but... (laughs) And he says he didn't get the clearances he wants. I don't think he's allowed to have visitors. They could have probably posed as some kind of a vendor. He probably could have arranged that, but we didn't get that far before we snuck in. And I don't think he had access to, like, the arrivals list, but once they were coming in, maybe he, like, was just like, oh, hey, there's still an extra bed in this room because he's buddy-buddy with Jervis. Or, I mean, he's Mm buddy-buddy with Oz, so... They... Big scary security guard does come up to them and he's like, hey, how did you guys get in here? And the boys are so smug, so beautifully smug about it. And Sean went, say it with me, visitors pass. I'm going to be watching you guys. I'm going to be watched. (laughs) But Henry is very um, astutely going, have you not talked to the police yet? Like you went straight for these bozos. And he says some things that are problematic that we won't repeat, but basically, like, the police weren't taking him seriously, and they're inept in his opinion, and the community wasn't taking him seriously, and so he did what he had to do. Yes. Which was hire the boys. But Henry noticed, Henry noted a couple of things about Oz that maybe Jarvis had not shared, or Jarvis had not shared with Sean and Gus before, which was that he has disappeared 12 times before. And previously, the other residents did make missing person reports to the police. And then the very next day, he would pop up and be back. Yeah, and we do get a a, a later, um, I mean, just in a minute, uh, reason for this. Like, they basically explain it. Jervis says the reason he didn't bring it up is because he could always tell when Oz was getting antsy. They were friends, bro. He was like, I knew when he was going to run. And that's not what happened. And then Sean notices that the guy's wallet is still in his nightstand. They're they're kind of talking about the wallet. He doesn't have any money. Henry and Sean get into this little taff about it. And finally, they uh, finally Jervis kind of pipes up and goes, I have a theory based on formaldehyde and mind control. And then they very politely but astutely kick Jervis out to have a conversation. But I haven't even mentioned my theory about the identical twins. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to hear that theory. Gus finds a prescription bottle for prezozine. Prezozine? 
Anyway, it's a high blood pressure medicine, and this guy's gone without it. So that also doesn't make sense. But Sean starts to notice other things in the room. Um, he's got a picture of him when he was young, which showcases his, like, old military tattoo. And mm-hmm. there's a medal draped over the frame. And then there's a calendar in the room. And it's got different numbers marked off on different days. And that means he was training for a marathon. These were running distances that he was working up to. With the marathon day being the 31st. That's the Santa Barbara Marathon. Thank you very much. How do you know that? Because it's uh, Val Kilmer's birthday. Duh. Which means that we're still in December. Like, we are one episode removed from our Christmas episode. Like... Wait. Val, Val Kilmer's birthday's in December? Yes. Oh. December 31st, which is also New Year's Eve, people. Right. Why would there be a marathon on New Year's oh, Eve? Oh, there's always... Oh, marathons. I guess there's no snow there. That yeah. There's always marathons on, like, holidays. There's a lot of, like, 5Ks and stuff for July 4th and a turkey trot for Thanksgiving and blah, blah, blah. Right. Okay. But yeah. here's the thing. We had our Christmas episode where Gus's dad might have killed an old guy. Mm-hmm. I-, I said that title wrong. Again. I don't care. Um, <laughs> And then we got our last week's episode, and now right. we're, like... Still not at New Year's? That's a good point. Yeah. So the timing's weird. All of this is happening very quickly. But um, regardless, we leave the room and Henry is like, listen, you have this unhealthy fascination with the guy from Real Genius. Which is the movie where I came to love Val Kilmer. I think mine was Willow. It's a movie I've never seen. Mm, a very like high fantasy and very fun. But um, oh, God. <laughs> so... Oh, we meet in uh, we meet Pamela and the room service uh, director in the hallway. Meredith Cloverfield, and she's like, "Yeah, do you have any um, food allergies or health conditions I should know about?" And the boys just start listing things, including uh, no solid foods afternoon. Is that true? No, my son grandsons are idiots, liars. They're lying about everything. So he's, he sounds like a like a unreliable narrator here. Sean and Gus decide that they're going to try to track his running path. Yeah, Gus says, uh, how are we supposed to track this guy? And then Sean says something that I also don't think is very great, but... Okay, so it depends. Sean says, with his Indian blood. Which he got from working at a casino. Gus says, you can't get Indian blood by working in a casino. Sean says, maybe you can't. So I'm going to just pause here because this is the f- the phraseology that they use uh, over and over again in these next couple of scenes. I think the preferred terms are usually Indigenous American, Native American, First Nation. But it depends on who you're speaking to and what their preference is. So if they want to be called like American Indians it's okay to refer to them that way. And we don't have any representation in this, so we have no clarity on this. I'm not as upset about the word Indians being used as I am about Sean implying that he got them from a casino. Well, we've we've seen him use his tracking skills that he learned and he was given a feather. It, it, didn't he work there like a week or a weekend? He worked for, he worked at a week, yeah. Yeah, so, okay. So he plays this up. This is another callback. Um, but it, I think... I think it's more making fun of Sean than yeah. anything. So let's just ridicule Sean. <laughs> Sean has this moment where he puts his hand to his head and he said, if if he was going to go somewhere, I think he would go there. 
and he points at a giant sign that says jogging trail. Oh, yeah. Because he just, well, he randomly turns right, first of all, when they're leaving the property. He's like, um, mm-hmm. this leads nowhere. I would go this way. And they just turn right. It's just like, there's there's nothing there. And then <laughs> I didn't get why, she, why Gus was like, okay, genius. Now, where did he go this time? And he's completely missing the trailhead sign. Like, <laughs> come on, Watson. We get to a kind of fork in the road. And Gus is like, I'm going to go left. And Sean, again, pretends like he's being able to track this guy. And he's like, no, I think we need to go right. Well, deductive reasoning tracks, you know. Very, very much so. Yeah, he's like, I think he would go uphill first. Um, Plus, there's a lot more shade on that side in the afternoons. Yes. So, eventually, we're walking up this, like, I don't know, railroad tie um, staircase in the woods. Stairs. And Sean sees arterial splatter, as he calls it, on a rock along the path. It's not arterial splatter. That would be so much worse if it was from an artery, Sean. Shut up. It's definitely just blood. Um, <laughs> Gus says, Gus said, Taste maybe it. it's roadkill. Lick it. What is with you? All my life you've been trying to get me to lick my own wounds or lick blood or taste blood. What is wrong with you? I don't understand that scene, but I like it. I mean, and I sure hope it was it was ad lib. And I kind of it. I mean, I just kept going forward in my brain to an episode that we get later. I don't have any frame of reference of this. The vampire thing episode. Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, we get a couple vampire things, but yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Then Sean finds a pedometer in the brush around the rock, and he says, uh, "How many? How far do you think we are from?" Glorious Pines right now. About six miles. <clears throat> About six miles. And he's right. And it's like, okay, so he's six miles from the place he started from, and he's not here. So where's this guy's body? Can I just just question how Sean and Gus just randomly walked six miles, and now they're going to have to randomly walk six miles back? I mean, it looks like a beautiful day. I'm not mad at it. But they're trying to track this guy. So if he was somewhere on his training route, they were going to have to walk the route. We end up at the hospital now. And they're asking about a Oswald Chester to the woman working the check-in counter. But then Sean remembers that he had left his wallet at home. And he was like, oh, he he left his ID at home. Uh, can you check for a John Doe, please? Actually, can you check all the Doe's? Taekwon, Cookie, Play, Dosi. I'm sorry. Visiting hours are now over. She's like <laughs> had it with his nonsense. So the boys are like, we're going to have to go incognito. So they go into separate side-by-side rooms and they come out as... A doctor and a candy striper. While they're changing, though, this spy music is playing, and it's hilarious. It's beautiful. It's, I mean, it's got to be a callback to, like, Get Smart in some of those old movies, or old shows. Yeah. Because, like, that's what they would do. You would go into a room, and you'd instantly come out in a different outfit. Sean says, do they make candy striper uniforms for guys now? Yeah, there was a lawsuit. (laughs) I'm just saying, aim higher, man. (laughs) We're back in the squad car with Juliet and Lassiter, and JJ is in the back seat. It smells like fuck he back just here. Starts, That's what your future smells like if you don't straighten up. Fly right. <laughs> he calls Juliet baby at one point. That's strike one. 
Yeah, and Lassiter just keeps giving him strikes, and he keeps demanding that he call her O'Hara and put some respect on her name. And um, I think one of his lines is like, if you don't want to pee in front of seven other guys for the rest of your life, you're going to respect the badge. He's just being flirty and hitting on her. And then finally he said, did anyone tell you your hair smells like strawberries? Lester says peaches. Juliet looks bemused. Oh, yes. I need to pick up some peaches on my way home today. (laughs) We get another like Detective O'Hara. And then the kid is like, man, you've got to lighten up. You get to sit and hang out with this incredibly hot woman all day, every day. And you're just like the worst about it. I feel like Lassie's kind of overcorrecting here because he starts complimenting her. Like her work, what she does, she's a good she's a good agent, but she is above all things not hot. Oh yeah, he definitely made it weird. But like I liked the direction it was going in before he yeah. vehemently said, "She's not hot." But it's basically like she doesn't even register as like a sexual being to me, which I completely understand. I was like, we're partners in like the most symbiotic, like protecting the state of the world type of way. Like mm-hmm. it, it, nothing else can factor in, but he makes it super weird. Um, we, we go back to the hospital. Yes. Sean is kind of looking around and he notices Chester or he notices Oswald's tattoo. And he's like, Hey, that's the guy. So he goes, are these medical students? And Gus says, residents. He's like, ah, it's all the same to me. Why not? I've heard it both ways. I know. Perfect chance for it. Missed opportunity. They stroll in. Sean goes, I'm Dr. Hauser. I am filling in today. And this is my partner, Nick Knack. He's from Guam. So Doogie Hauser reference. And why Guam? I don't know. Okay, so he's not done with this. (laughs) They, he tells somebody to impress him. They start going over a patient. This day, this guy is three days post-op and he's got an open wound, but it's healing nicely. And Gus gets all vomity and Sean is like, Nick-Nack, pull yourself together, man, or you'll be on the first boat back to Telefofo. Which is in Guam. He said, I'm looking for something a little bit different. Maybe an older guy, good body, in a coma or coma-like state. Like he was placing an order for a drink. (laughs) Well, the patient behind you is in a coma. One of the residents is attempting to explain what's going on and uses all of these medical words. Yeah, and Sean is like, what is wrong with you, son? Did they not teach you any bedside manner at the place where we get our, our ability to practice medicine? Med school? Yeah. Sir, talk to me like I'm 10. He is, uh, he had a drop in blood pressure, which deprived his brain of blood. And then he had a small contusion. Still too much. Talk to me like I'm five. His blood pressure went boom and his brain got an owie. Yeah. So when he fell, he got a brain injury and that's why he's in a coma. Um, And why do we expect foul play? We don't. You're telling me there's nothing here that would make you think something suspicious might be going on? Well, when we administered fluids, his heart rate didn't automatically respond. Um, so it's possible that he's on heart meds and he just took too many of them. So it was suppressing his blood pressure too much. They have no reason to believe that this was foul play. He probably It was probably just a mistake. Sean and Gus are happy. Sean's like, let's take a fiver, go get a Coke, maybe play some Frogger. The residents are. We have a lot of people to see. (laughs) 
Five more minutes isn't going to kill them. Is it? We're back at Glorious Pines. Glorious Meadows? Definitely, definitely Glorious Pines. I've heard it both ways. And Henry is in the swimming pool, swimming laps. And he just broke the record for not most times jumping into the pool without breaking a hip. Yeah, real funny kid. Henry introduces his new friends to Sean and Gus. And it's a not-so-much-anymore lightweight boxing champion and a stand-up comedian. Yeah, former comedian from the Catskills. Um, Rodrigo Lopez and Buddy Markowitz? They are excited to kind of meet his grandsons and then... They were like, hey, we need to take Grandpap and talk to him for a minute. Oh, oh, just make sure you bring him back for the cannonball competition. We get Henry in an old-timey bathing suit. It's on point. It I'm uh, I'm not sorry. It's looking good. It 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 does a little it does something. It's do it's not something that I would have <laughs> expected to see, but I guess Sean forgot to pack him his trunks, so he had to borrow something. It's certainly a kink I didn't know either. <laughs> Which apparently all the other ladies there didn't know either because as he's walking away, he literally turns and like flirt waves at all the ladies that have been watching him swim. And they're, and they're like, ooh. They love Talmadge. Sean says, while you've been hanging out at Camp Cocoon, we solved it. Henry's like, no, you haven't. This place is a hotbed of suspicious activity. There is something else going on here. At which point, Meredith brings him his lunch, which looks like a steak Sammy. Without barbecue sauce, which Henry is a little bit upset about. And then he starts flirting with her for condiments. She looked at the boys and said, oh, your grandpa's such a flirt. But she also says, um, you know, they don't like complainers here. And besides, you're lucky. You should see the stuff they serve my mom. Over at that horrible Sunshine Meadows place. That's where I got the Meadows versus Pines confused. Can we just pause because we've never talked about the names of things? And I think this will come up a lot because in our Scary Sherry episode at the end of season one, it was Wispy Sunny Wisp- Pines. Yes. So now we have Glorious Pines and Sunny Meadows. Sunshine Meadows. Sunshine Meadows. Those are interesting names. It's like they had a formula for writing names of places and they were like, we're just going to stick to it. Yeah. Adjective, adjective, adjective. <laughs> now. Um, <laughs> so he's like, I'd feel so much luckier with a little steak sauce. So she's like, hey, 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 and then she goes off. But then we see the EMTs bringing out a guy on a stretcher. He looks completely incapacitated. And then suddenly there's a flurry of activity over the pool because another guy just fell in and he's just floating there, all also incapacitated. Sean immediately clocks that they both have on these handmade bracelets. Just like the one that was sitting on top of Oswald's wallet in his room. And we we kind of pan to Pamela in the window, just kind of ominously staring out like she maybe had something to do with it. And you called her a red herring earlier, and I never got that vibe. It was just sort of like, there is a cover up, but it doesn't mean there's any like foul play there because, I mean, it's like, you don't want bad press, is, is what I was getting. Oh, no, I was definitely getting it was her. I think I knew it wasn't her, and so I just kind of, like, didn't embrace the mm-hmm. vibe That's of fair. that ever. Back at SBPD, um, Sean is psyching out a bit, 
about someone attacking the old timers done a glorious bang. Gus said he thinks it might be an angel of death situation. The kid is just watching with a WTF look on his face. And then Henry, or Henry, and then Lassiter said, (laughs) what you fail to account for is that it is five degrees hotter today than it has been, than it was last year at this time. And frogs cannot swallow as they blink. I thought we were just saying random facts. That mean nothing at all. And Jules clarifies, if there's a heat wave or a cold snap, older people are more likely to fall ill. Jervis walks in. And he's like, shouldn't we be, shouldn't we be checking a will or calling the mortuary or something? I learned all of this in the police academy. And then, okay. So not only is he like, you guys didn't believe me about Oswald and we found Oswald and no one was looking for him. And then we get the police academy reference and Jules was like, I thought I recognized your name. Didn't you set your black and white on fire during the road test? And you shot a guy's toe off. Yeah, Lasseter is like, you shot the guy's toe off at the firing range. And he's like, it didn't, it didn't come all the way off. I saw him last week. He still has a lip. Then we get more psyching out. And he's like, thread. And and it's, it's arting, but it's also crafting. <laughs> he comes to the conclusion of these bracelets. And he was like, they all have the same bracelet. Chief says, uh... Did the doctors who saw these patients suspect any foul play or see anything strange? No. Well, double check. Um, everybody's sort of rolling their eyes. And Laster walks up to our kid and is like, see, no one takes people seriously when they act a fool. If you don't want to end up like this buffoon, you're going to have to change some things. We, while Lassiter's talking, we look over and Sean and Juliet are standing pretty close together talking. And JJ just goes... I don't like that guy. And I think he doesn't. There's hope for you. Yeah. I don't think JJ likes him because he can tell that there's something between him and Juliet. And he's got his love eyes on for Juliet. Okay. So I didn't get any chemistry sparks from the scene, like uh, the the view of Sean and Jules. But I think the fact that like Sean was talking to Juliet with such ease and she was actually engaging with him, like really made this kid mad. Yeah, it's fair that I might be overthinking this. I mean, 2020 a hindsight yep. you know but um i just didn't feel like it was like there was anything actually telltale in what we were seeing from them but um laster tries to pat the kid on the back and he like springs like a like a house cat <laughs> that doesn't want to be touched sean gus and jervis go back to the retirement community and they're talking about the bracelets and jervis shares that chelsea is the one who makes the bracelets in craft class and she gives them to not just her friends. You can't see my eye with brows wiggling, but they are. So we go into this room, and can I just say that every time there's music playing at Glorious Pines, it's like 1920s music. These people aren't that <laughs> old, you guys. Oh my gosh, they're really playing this up. But <laughs> Henry is dancing the tango with Miss Chelsea. Sean cuts in, tries to question her, and he said, I'm sensing a dark cloud around Earl and Harley. I don't know if his name was Earl. Um, I didn't catch either of their names, but we find out that she thinks it's just cracker that uh, Sean is a psychic and these two happen to be their her ex-boyfriend. <laughs> then we got to Gus not dancing. Standing. With He's standing with this old lady. And she goes, you dance divinely, Burton. 
<laughs> and then Henry cuts back in and he's like, so you're kind of like a queen bee around here. You have a lot of ex-boyfriends. I just find that men fall in love when I start taking care of them. Florence Nightingale effect. Um, and then we go back to Gus and the lady's like, now spin me. Ah, oh, glorious. Still haven't moved. And they haven't moved. <laughs> she is not a nurse there, but she does teach the Heart Smart Seminar once a month. And that's where she met Harry and Oswald. So Henry and Sean, like, make eye contact and they're like, all right, good times. Deuces. And they're walking away. And Gus is still standing with his lady, who's now <laughs> asleep in his arms. <sighs> they kind of conclude that all of the people that got hurt were on blood pressure medication. So that's kind of suspicious that we have three older gentlemen who overdose on their blood pressure medication about the same time. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Henry says somebody did mention that there was a break-in at the outside pharmacy just last week. And they took some oxy, they took some codeine, they also took some blood pressure stuff. Sean gets really upset. It's like, why are you just telling us that now, Dad? Obviously, that was a cover. They stole the meds and then stole the opiates to hide it. He's like, all right, all right. So we figured out how this happened. Oh, I've got it. Uh, I've now got we it. just need to figure out. I got the whole quote. Oh. At least, that skips, at least that gives us the how. Now just to figure out the why. Which reminds me, Gus, will you please get us the tickets to the who? And then they do this finger point. Because that's... That's a very clear play to Who's on First by Abbott and Costello. And it's beautiful. All right. So they need to find a list of who was on the blood pressure stuff to see who else might be victimized and um, kind of figure out a motive. So <laughs> we're going to have to do a sneak. <laughs> they are pretty sure that Pamela has this information. And so we need to distract Pamela so that Sean and Gus can break into her office and find that list. Sean, I'm not going to injure myself just to distract people for you. Because Sean is telling Henry to throw himself down the stairs. Just take a header down the stairs, Dad. He ends up stubbing his toe. Oh, my toe! <laughs> and then they're like, you got to do something better than that. So he starts grabbing his side and screaming, my liver! My liver! It might be failing! Finally, Pamela comes out of her office and the boys like are sneaking and turning a table around and moving it with them. It's very like Looney your tunes. liver is fine. Talmage. You're not even jaundiced. Also, that's not your liver. That's your spleen. Oh, oh, my spleen. And the boys finally make it into her office. OK, pause for a second. When we're panning back to the table, like from the point of view of Pamela, on a coffee table, there's a big Fruit platter. Mm -hmm. No, flour, right? No, on the table they were moving, it's flowers. But on the coffee table that we see right before it pans to that table, there's a big fruit platter. Oh. I did not catch a pineapple, but if there was one in this episode, that is where I would guess it was because I did not I did find not one. catch a pineapple either. I, I found the internet had found a couple of things that maybe look like pineapples, but none of them were that good for me. There's a couple of lamps throughout the retirement community that have kind of this bulbous area and then these like outspurts that could be in the shape of a pineapple, but mm, I can't call it on that. Yeah. So I think we're saying we didn't definitively find one, but please, if you find one, feel free to email us. That's 
to the blueberry podcast at gmail.com. Heck yeah. Okay. So that was just my little aside. Um, we are now in Pam's office and Sean's like, ooh, ooh, I think I found something. This might be the list. No, this is just the waiting list. He notices that all three of the gentlemen who got sick had FTC next to their name. Um, and that and they they're were getting, getting kicked, kicked out. out. What's FTC? Furious Tiger what? Full-time care. It was in the brochure. Anyone who needs round-the-clock care can't live at Glorious Pines. They just don't have those resources. So he's looking through the wait list and he shows it to Gus and says, do you recognize any of these names? I'm going to say that I knew who it was from the moment the show told us who it was a little earlier. And I think I would have caught that little tip off had I even not seen it before. Because that's just the formula of these things. And I think I'm attuned enough that like when it was dropped into conversation all casual, like the big, big clue, Mm -hmm. I caught it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. When those things happen that don't make a lot of sense in the moment. Yeah, I agree. So then Pam's trying to get back in her office and the boys run out the window and run they away. They do a happy dance when they figure out who the bad guy is. When I I love me a oh, good happy dance. yeah. They do the Gus jump up and down and the Sean kind of like walking yeah. the Egyptian <laughs> voguing thing. Um, when they run outside the window, Gus looks like he's limping weirdly or he's just running oh, weird. Did you? I didn't notice that. Oh. I do have a couple of concerns about this though. First of all, why does that window open and not have a blind or i'm sorry not have a screen in it none of the windows in my house have a screen so really i don't know yeah and we don't open them unless we know it's not like bug season oh you know what I mean? uh I, I open our windows we open our windows all the time we all have screens but that's a pretty fancy retirement community like you would think the windows would have screens i'm just saying there's so much security that I don't think a screen is going to stand between it. Also, whomever's on lawn duty, unless it happens to be Jervis, would they not notice someone climbing out of a window? I mean, it depends on how many people we have on lawn duty. I think they're pretty... Anyway, back to SBPD for the my least favorite scene of this yeah, entire it's, show. It's not really worth it. So, uh, quick rundown. It's... Yeah. It, we meet a um, SBPD prison inmate named... Hell on Earth, whose real name is Daryl. <laughs> and this is Lassie's attempt to do a scare him straight on the kid, and it fails. It fails mightily, and um, he ends up kind of having like a jovial conversation with Hell. And I really hate the conversation. Like it's it's a lot of like misinformation and misrepresentation of of, of things in general. But um, basically, Lassie fails, and he's salty about yeah. it. Yeah. So we go back to the retirement community. And one of Henry's friends that we met earlier, who happened to be an old stand-up comedian, is telling these really bad jokes. And But we do get a reference to Bo Derek in 10. Okay, the, uh, the I was like, did you get the joke? Because I did not at all. Yeah, because Bo Derek was the 10 in the movie. So 10. she went 10, 9, 8, 7, 6. I got it now. Yeah, it's bad. <laughs> Sean walks in comedian. and screams. It starts having his full psychic freak out. And he was like, it was not an accident. Somebody in this room has been poisoning the people of, of Glorious Pines. It was you. No, not the comedian. Try again. It was you. No, not Chelsea. Try again. It was. I, he like walks over to the person and is like, no, no, it was you. You're the person. Which is Meredith. <gasps> 
what are you talking about? And he breaks down, you did it to to get your mom in here. Because she was seven on the wheel. He screams, help me, help me, help me, help me, Rhonda. Help me, Rhonda, help me get her out of my heart. Yes, Beach Boys reference. Okay, so she's like, these people trusted you and you had access to their food and you stole their meds and you covered it up as like, uh, like a like a drug robbery, and then you you doped these people that you knew were already on heart meds. Heck, Chelsea's bracelets practically pointed them out for you. And then we get a little aside because the real trauma just walking in, and we gotta wrap this up, boys. <laughs> you you almost killed two other people on top of that, a couple more people, and then you and your mom would have been reunited, and it would have felt so good. Reunited, reunited, and. It- so good so So the real Talmadge is entering Sean kind of notes that she has some powdery stuff on her nails and screams quick check her pockets I think she has stuff on her right now and so Jervis goes and checks and they the three of them book it Henry, Gus, Sean Sean literally climbs up a table over the railing and runs down the steps yeah, and he's like, call the cops, call the cops, and 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 restrain her, and um, get some samples. And Gus is like, nobody who's got heart problems should be eating this food right now because she may have poisoned it. And everybody's just like <laughs> spitting out food. Uh, I don't have any cups. All I have is a a paperclip and a twisty tie. Anyway, our guys are piecing out. We gone. Um, oh, but as they're exiting, Sean and Gus fist bump, <gasps> and then Henry tries to fist bump Sean, and Sean just waves it off. Aww, because they have to run away quickly. But that was so cute. I want Henry to get a fist bump. Dang it. And I hope it happens. Teamwork. Yeah. As the final scene. As the gentlemen are running away, the it zooms in to a picture of all of the people. Oh. At glorious I didn't times. write this down. And okay, this is a the Shining reference. Is it? It is because at the end of the movie, um. Jack Torrance, who is Jack Nicholson's character, mm-hmm. is in a picture, a old picture, a picture he couldn't possibly be in with the other people who have stayed in the Overlook Hotel. Uh... So his, basically his his spirit, his soul has been claimed by this terrible, haunted, evil place. And, and we get Henry <laughs> standing in front of everybody, holding up his cane with his arms <laughs> wide open. And it's, it's great. And the music is even a little bit creepy yeah, right here. It is. The final scene, Chief Vic is walking up to Sean and Gus, thanking them and paying them for their hard work on the Glorious Pines case. I'm going to get a check. Uh, Cl- Cloverfield confessed to everything. Um, and the case was perfect. Lassie walks in and man, he has had it. He's tried everything with this kid. He's tried scaring him straight. He's tried bribing him. Uh, Juliet says like Xbox is not hot chocolate. Does anyone know how to get Swiss Miss out of a silk shirt? Gus, of course, Gus does. Lemon wedges. Lassiter says, this kid only cares what O'Hara's wearing and where she works out. Sean said, I'm kind of curious about that, too. Juliet says, look, he's got some kind of weird attachment to me. Give me a shot at this myself. I'm going to talk to him one-on-one. And the chief says, you can use my office. I love this scene. I... It, it, the viewpoint for us is outside with Sean Gaslassie and Chief Vic and we look into Chief Vic's office we can't hear anything 
And Juliet just kind of calmly sits down and smiles and then just she lays all into this full kid. on. And I think he's the nodding first words, and he's taking it all in. <laughs> the first word she say is uh, the first first word she said is like, I'm going to tell you something like I could read the first bit of her lips. But then I, I lost it from there. And she is, I mean, full on angry, threatening Juliet. I have a theory about, okay, so not only did I write my version of what she was saying. Oh my there, gosh, that's exciting. But, okay, here's the thing. We know this kid has a mom in a position of power in the local government. True that. We know that he has a thing for Juliet, who is ostensibly a woman in uniform, a woman with authority. Yes. Armchair psychologist is like, if he's going to respond to anyone, it's like Chief or O'Hara. I agree. And since he has a crush on O'Hara, it's better coming from her. So I like your jumping off point for what she was saying. You said, I'm going to tell you something. Yeah. Okay. So I think it went something a little bit like, not only are you wasting your own time, you're wasting my time and Detective Laster's time. He has spent the entire day trying to help you. Not only is he my friend... He's my partner, and he's a great detective. And he should be out there helping the people of Santa Barbara, but instead, he's wasting his time trying to help you. We're all trying to help you, even your mom. That's lovely. Uh, the last part I had probably went a little something like, so this is what you're going to do. You're going to apologize. You're going to thank him. And then you're going to stop this nonsense and stop wasting your own time and everyone else's. Do you understand me? And he's like nodding vigorously. That's that's. Probably perfectly spot on, Kay. Like, <laughs> I, I'm because which was that's what happens, right? JJ walks out. He immediately walks up to Lassiter, who's still trying to get the Swiss Miss out of his shirt, and he said, "I'm sorry. I I won't I won't let this happen again." And he kind of turns around. <laughs> Juliet snaps, points back at him, and he turns back around and said, "And and thank you for your time and keeping the streets of Santa Barbara safe." Juliet points again, and he sits down and puts his head down and just is quiet. Everyone is just staring at her, confused. And Juliet just sashays away. It's beautiful. <laughs> they all leave Lassiter, and he's standing there alone, very confused. <laughs> oh. ah, good episode. Now all I want to do is sashay, chante. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I I think this episode is underrated. I forget about it and it makes me sad because I find it so entertaining. And I I do think that you had you had made this point kind of early in our recording, but the more Henry we get, the more I like the episodes. Right? It's such a good like once we get like the dynamic of Sean and Henry, it just like it feels so rounded out. Like every other B thing that they throw in, just it just it can automatically fit because it's just like we have a whole picture. Yes, I I love it. I I love it. I love Chief Fix haircut. I'm sad that we didn't have any Buzz McNabb. Although I did True rewind to check to see if Buzz was the police officer that JJ tripped early on in the episode. It wasn't. Oh, that was a good that was a good call though. Yeah. Yeah, Chief Vic, even even in her little bits, but again, like Chief Vic truly believes Sean and Gus. 
in this episode, she did it again, where she was like, well, let's go ahead and double check that there wasn't something suspicious going on. Because she knows. She knows to listen to them. It's just, it's just lovely. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I mean, this episode had a lot of callbacks to past episodes that just like builds on the canon. And uh, I think we've seen this so many times, but we're watching it in such detail with such focus now that I think Mm -hmm. like we're going to get so much more out of it with those. And I think, I mean, every time I watch it in perpetuity, I'm going to keep getting new things from it, but it's just, it's so great. I'm very, very happy with, with this episode. I'm very, very happy so far. Uh, Yes. All, all on point. (laughs) I'm Alexis. This is the part where you get blindsided with plan B. It's kind of fun when it's not happening to me. And I'm Kaylee. What bad side? All good from where I'm sitting. And this has been... To to the the Blueberry! Blueberry! Psych out.